This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Kathy Domini, the author of The Magic is Inside You, Powerful and Positive Thinking for Confident Kids, and Dear Bully, Promoting Healing, Harmony, and Friendship, Positive Mindset for Kids series. Transformational leader Kathy Domini, she is the founder of Miracle Ready Mindset, an inspirational author, teacher, course creator, and professional mentor. She firmly believes in the power of the right mindset combined with the law of attraction and the profound impact it has on catapulting her clients to next-level success. Kathy began her journey as a teacher where she quickly became passionate about self-esteem and confidence work, both with her adult and children clients alike. She holds diplomas in hypnotherapy and counseling as well as a bachelor's degree in sociology and diplomas in life coaching. During her early teaching years, Kathy came to realize how important one's view of themselves can be when it comes to academic attainment, as well as behavior and happiness. Through experience, she found that positive thinking can have a significant impact on children's experiences in the world boosting their confidence, and helping them realize their full potential. Today, Kathy's mission is to contribute to a happier, more well-rounded generation one child at a time. She brings her positive attitude, professional background, and genuine passion for helping others to guide children and help them reach their full potential with the help of storytelling. To learn more about Kathy and her work, please visit kathydomini.com. Here is the interview with Kathy Domini. In your own words, who is Kathy Domini? Kathy Domini is a busy mother and a an inspirational leader who is empowering women female leaders particularly and children to empower themselves yeah that sounds wonderful to me thank you for what you do we need more of this work so before we talk about some of the topics in your books the magic is inside you powerful and positive thinking for confident kids and your other book i have a copy too dear bowley promoting healing harmony and friendship 
Positive Mindset for Kids series. Before we talk about these works, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first one is, what is another word for magic? I think the best way to describe it is really connection to your inner guidance and intuition. That sounds wonderful to me. So intuition. I love in your book, you have this message about listening to the right voice. And I'll be asking you more questions about that later on. So for now, uh, my next question is an open one. What does it mean to be a human being? I think all humans are put on this earth to experience certain things, to help us evolve, to help us to grow, to help us to become more connected to ourselves, to each other. And so I think to be human is to live in the courage of exploration, to um, be able to be brave enough to explore the things that are going right within yourself and the things that need to have attention within yourself. And I think being able to go through life without a great attachment to anything What I mean by that is to be open, to be open to other views, to other experiences, to other feelings that that aren't within our own experience, I think is so vital for us to be part of the human race and to be connected to each other. And I see lots of people going down this path now where they're wanting to expand their minds. They're wanting to connect to their spirit, to their soul, to their inner guidance. And I think that's a really exciting phenomenon that's happening right now. It's like a mass awakening. I agree. Yeah. Sounds very spiritual to me when you say that, going back to the inner self and understanding ourselves and how connected we are. That sounds very spiritual too. So I have another question or a few questions about life itself. What is life to you, Kathy? I think life is a creation and I feel like more and more people are coming into that conscious framework of understanding that they do have input in where their life goes now. And that lots of people, instead of looking outward for answers, are now looking inward. And I think that's really exciting. Um, and I feel like there's been a period of time where people have been trying to fill a void with stuff. And I feel like that time is passing and people are really understanding that that void can only be filled with self-love, self-actualization, self-realization, connectedness to others. So I feel like life is really this journey of self-discovery, discovery of others, and seeking connectedness. I love your description of what this experience is or might be. What do you think is the opposite of life? That's a loaded question <laughs> because... Um, I do feel that life is eternal. So I feel like there are there are lots of different experiences of life and, and not just in the human form on earth. So I feel like it's a constant flow of energy and thoughts and ideas and love. And so I feel like it's more than our in-body human experience. I feel like life is much broader than that. And I feel like we're starting to understand that on a more conscious level. And I, and I do feel like um, we are starting to have this big shift 
into a realization that life is much more expansive and, you know, rich and more beautiful than we thought previously. And it's much more than just this human experience that we're having right now. So I mentioned earlier, it sounds very spiritual, what are you saying? But would you use that word to describe what's happening, a spiritual shift, or we are shifting more into spirituality or going back to what we are, essentially, spirits in a way? I feel like it's remembering who we are. So if you want to call it spirituality, that's fine. I'm sure there's lots of different labels that people could use in this for this particular experience. But I do feel like it's not really, it is self-discovery, but it's more for me of getting in touch and remembering who we are, who we were became before we came onto this earth's plane and who we will be afterwards and the lessons that we need to learn and the evolution we need to go through. So I do feel that um, it's a much broader um, topic and I feel like people are getting back to their core. And that's so important because that rawness, that authenticity, you know, when we're being brave enough to do that, you know, we're giving other people permission to do the same thing. And, you know, it's not always an easy process. Um, I mean, I've had very dark times in my life, which have revealed beautiful, blissful, amazing gifts, but I've had to go through the dark time to get them. So, you know, it's not all, you know, light and roses and, you know, angels yeah, singing. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the darkness and the struggle that I have personally found my best growth, my best gifts, and my best realizations of parts of myself that needed to evolve, things that were going well. And, and I'm constantly going through that, you know. And if I haven't got this sort of dark time put on me to as a catalyst for my evolution, I'm seeking answers. I think once you become that person who wants to become the best possible version of themselves and understand, you know, all the people that they're connected to in the world and the global consciousness, I don't think you can stop that process. It's, it becomes like a, a need for food. You know, it becomes that basic need of exploration and wanting to grow and evolve to the next level. So true. I love the way you don't really like the idea of labels. You mentioned that in your book about the word bully. So that's a label. They can affect even a person even more. They might become more of what you're trying to make them to be. So yeah, I love that about what you try to share or you are sharing, teaching. That's so important. No labels. Although I do love the word love. <laughs> so that's a great label <laughs> to use for everything, really. <laughs> So I have one more question about life. What do you think is the purpose of life, the ultimate purpose of the human experience? I feel that we need to let go of the feeling that we are disconnected from each other. And when I'm in the world, and I'm half extrovert, half introvert, so I can <laughs> go months and months without seeing anybody, or I can be in a, a, a massive auditorium of people I don't know and make 119 friends. I'm, I'm very much a, a mixed sort of bag. Um, but when I go out into the world, my consciousness is that could be my brother, that could be my sister, that could be my child, that could be my mother, that could be my father, regardless of the packaging of that soul. And I feel like we need to be more in that space of love and acceptance. And instead of looking for reasons to be offended, we should be looking for reasons to be connected. Yes. Yes, a thousand times. Yes. To everything you said.
My next question is about freedom. What do you think it is to be free? What is freedom to you? For me, it's freedom starts in your mind. I do feel very passionately with my training and my experience and my um, personal experiences as well, not just professional, that the outcome of the interactions and the experiences that we have starts in our minds. And I, I started working because um, I used to be a teacher in England. And this was the starting point I had with all of my kids was, you know, looking at a situation and then being able to frame it in a way that was empowering us. I, I have another book in my Positive Mindset for Kids series that actually touches on this um, is the perspective. So two characters go through the same experiences and it shows the children how the different perspectives on that, those experiences frame the outcome in the human experience. And if we go into any experience with that mindset of, I didn't choose this right now, I'm struggling through this right now, but I know there's going to be amazing gifts. So I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to go take this leap of faith and, and work through it. I know there's going to be something on the other side of this that's going to benefit me. And this is just a chapter in my success story. And I feel like if you can go through life with that mindset predestined to allow miracles into your life, it, it shifts the whole experience that you have. Oh, yeah. I love that word too, miracle. Seeing this idea of seeing everything as a miracle. But, but in, in order to see the miracle, we have to be ready to embrace the miracle. We have to work on our mindset that is not a limiting mindset but is a mindset of infinite possibility. Yeah. Being open and everything that you have been saying so far, it sounds wonderful to me. And I, I hear a lot of uh, wisdom, deep wisdom. Let me ask you a question about the current situation, per se. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? This year particularly has been for me, a time of huge global shifting in ideas, in our, in our thoughts, in our experiences. And I feel like we need to be courageous enough to let go of everything we thought we knew and be open to listening to others, to want to embrace everybody's experiences and move forward united in uh, a connectedness in a love, you know, in an embracing way forward that we are moving together. And I feel that we have a real possibility of doing this. And sometimes uh, the people certainly that I work with uh, have this feeling of overwhelm, like how how can I contribute to this? This is so big. This is so huge. You You contribute to this by living in that energy every day in your life. And the ripple effect of that will go beyond anything you could possibly imagine. I'll ask you a few questions about love. And the first question had to be love itself. What is love to you? Love for me is a noun. Love for me is a verb. So it's not just a label, it's a doing. And I feel like um, words can often be used so carefree and carelessly, but actions are really where that love is rooted and anchored. So people can be saying, 
things of love, but their actions may not match that. So I think when we're dealing with love, it's not just a label to be frivolously used. It's a dedication to a set of actions where we are realizing love in our world. I agree. And I feel as well, you know, love is not always easy to, you know, and and this is what, uh, you know, Dear Bully is a classic example of this. To love somebody who's hurt you, that's love. To be able to connect with somebody who has intruded upon your world and caused pain and chaos, to be able to reach through that, work through that, be dedicated, so dedicated to this ideology of love that you put yourself in that uncomfortable position to work out of your comfort zone and reach out to that person and bring them in an embrace so that then that person's experience has changed, yours has changed, and everybody that comes into contact with that person's experience has changed. It, love is portrayed to us in the media, you know, hearts and flowers and roses and chocolates, and it's, you know, and, <laughs> yes. and, and that's a wonderful type of love, you know, absolutely. The love comes in so many different forms, but love is not just for when it's easy. Beautifully said, yeah, wisely said. So that makes me think about this idea of giving, receiving, and caring without conditions, no conditions, no attachment, as you said earlier, too. I will ask you this question. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I believe that's what we're all striving for. Do you think that that would solve most of our issues in this reality and within ourselves first, obviously, and then outside in this world we live in? I absolutely believe that when you have a genuine connection to yourself and a respect of who you are, light and darkness, because there's light and shade and dark within all of us, and to not acknowledge every part of you is based in fear. And to be able to acknowledge every part of you, the shadows and the dark and the light and everything that makes you you, gives you an understanding that other people have shadows and darkness and light. And so to be able to have that self-realization and that understanding of self and the love for every part of yourself gives you the opportunity to recognize that in others and love others for exactly who they are as well. And this is where most of the work is really focused on, accepting and embracing the darkness, the dark sides inside of us. It's such a challenge to do that. Because I feel we've been brought up to believe that we have to be good. We have to get the ticks, not the crosses. (laughs) We have to get the awards, not the discipline. We have to get, you know, we have to be shiny and sparkly. But to be shiny and sparkly... You know, we need to be able to celebrate every part of ourselves and celebrate what every part of ourselves teaches us. And I feel like the people who are seeking out others to blame, to attack, to criticize, have not embraced every part of themselves. Because when I see somebody doing something that triggers me in some way, I think, I am that I am. Faced with those particular circumstances, would I be capable of doing that? How can I connect with this person? You know, I can't sit in judgment of somebody from the circumstances that I'm in because I have no point of reference to understand what's brought this person to this point. 
you know, and I feel we need to look for reasons not to be offended, but to be empathetic, to be loving. And if we all went around with a mindset like that, what an amazing experience it would be. I mean, in my life, um, three of my children have autism. You know, they express themselves in different ways. And I tell you what, it brings out the best in people or reveals a lot about people because they are amazing and oh, intuitive and, you know, spiritual and incredibly intelligent and insightful. And my littlest is, she just turned three and she's been nonverbal up until this point. And she expresses her joy through loud sound. That's her expression of joy. And it's amazing how many people go, oh my goodness, she is a ray of light. She is life. She is joy. She is giggle. She is sparkle. She is everything amazing. And the people that say, oh my goodness, shut your child up. And you say, okay, I can see where your energy is. I can see where your evolution is just in that one experience. So that is beautiful to show compassion for others and not feel judged and enraged by people's actions, right? I have another question about unconditional self-love. Do you think it's more challenging for women to do that than for men? I feel like all humans are on a quest for self-love. And I think it's framed in different ways for different people. Have you found a method, a very effective method to teach your children unconditional self-love? I have always encouraged my children to be who they are. And I don't get to determine what that looks like. And I think, you know, as parents, we need to remember that our children are not an extension of ourselves. They are souls brought to us as gifts to nurture and grow and allow them to expand and find out who they are with under our wing until they're ready to go into the world. And, you know, you know, we've had our boys dress in dresses. We've had our girls doing, you know, they're humans that I don't, as I, as you said before, I don't like labels and I never have. And, um, my eldest is nearly 18, but when she was little, she wanted to be the male um, hero character in the series. And so she'd go out with the moustache and you know, everything that she had. And she'd turn up to ballet with her G.I. Joe and everybody else had baby dolls. And in those times in England as well, that was pretty frowned upon, actually. You know, um, it wasn't very accepted. And I was sort of parents would step back from me because I was allowing my child to do this. My boys wore um, nail varnish. They wore princess dresses. They wore tiaras. And they just were expressing. They played with baby dolls. They, they were finding out who they were. And why would I want to pigeonhole that? Why would I want to put barriers around that? In order to really understand and get that real embracing of who they are, it makes them wonderful people because they quietly just sit in this confidence of this is who I am. This is the authentic me. I don't need to be like anybody else. I don't need to compare myself on social media to anybody else because I'm happy with my journey. We have roles, but to really say who we are, I don't think we can put that into words. It might not be so easy <laughs> or maybe not possible even. I think it's just the mystery is just amazing, embracing the whole mystery. And uh, that's one of the ways to do it, to be open. And of course, you know, the reason we can't label it is because we're always changing. Yeah, right. 
That's right. You know, I, I'm not the same person I was six months ago. Yep. Not even a minute ago. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So true. So I have one more question for you, the warm-up question. This is about God. What, where, and who is God to you? Who are you? Because that answer is very much dependent on who you are. So I feel that God is to you whoever you want God to be for you. I don't feel there's one image, one thought, one idea. I do believe that God is all loving. The genuine God energy or whatever you want to call that for you is there to unite us. But that for me is a subjective question because I feel like whatever you want your God to be for you, as long as it's coming from an all loving, accepting place, that's fine by me. So how did you become a writer, Kathy? I've always been a writer in the sense that ever, if ever I've had a problem or an issue to work through, I write it out. That's my meditation. That's how I, you know, pray. It's how I connect with myself, et cetera, et cetera, to find my answers. And when I was teaching, my passion was connecting children to their inner brilliance, whatever that looked like for them. And that was what lit me up. And also I found that, you know, sitting down and talking with the children on an equal playing field and and talking about difficult emotions and difficult experiences and why did that person act the way they did and what do you think the feeling is behind that? Why do you think the feeling was there? What led them to that moment? And we would sit on the floor all together. So not me on a chair and them on the floor. We would all sit on the floor and we'd have these amazing, deep, Uh, expansive conversations and you know if they came in from a playtime and there'd been a row we'd sit down all together and say hey let's talk this out what's happening you know numeracy can wait for a minute we need to heal our souls first and this was really working it's really working and the kids were you know not only discovering their own inner brilliance and celebrating that and allowing that to be their rocket fuel for success they were recognizing it in each other and so The reason I started writing these books was I wanted to get that message to more and more children. And also I've had the unexpected side effect of having these books out there is the messages I get from the parents saying, I needed to read this book. Thank you so much. It's exactly what I needed to hear. I was so lost in my day-to-day doingness. I'd lost my beingness. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a wonderful, amazing, blessed experience. And the first book I actually, um, we didn't have internet at home at that time. So I typed up the manuscript with a toddler on my lap in the library. <laughs> so multitasking at its best. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that this is what I want, as you mm-hmm. said early in the conversation, I have passed these nuggets of wisdom to my children from a very young age and I've watched them sit just comfortably and confidently and you know don't get me wrong they've gone through periods of of you know crisis where they're oh my goodness what's this what's this and we've 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 worked through that and that's part of life but at the core of them they've got this quiet confidence that they know who they are it doesn't matter if they get hate from other people they know that that's not true and and how much easier my life would have been if I had learned these at a young age. I love the way in your book, something that you already mentioned uh, today, that we are all connected. But you said this in this phrase, we're all connected, all trying our best, all making mistakes. That's so true. That's so true. If we can see that in one another, right? Yeah, it would be a different reality. 
and perhaps one day it will be. I want to talk to you for a moment about bowling. What has been your experience as an individual and as a mother with bowling? Well, bullying has colored my life many, many times. And I and that's not not a coincidence, right? <laughs> Everything happens to us to bring us to this point. And you know, right up until very recently, you know, uh, bullying doesn't just stop at a certain age. You know, those those high school kids that there were bullies in high school, you know, they become bosses, they become, you know, and and if those behaviors haven't been explored and evolved, then they're going to be doing the same behavior in a different aged body. And so I've had bullying in my life uh, forever. Um, but it really started to resonate with me when it was affecting my children, because there's a different thing that comes up in a parent <laughs> when, you know, your, your, your cubs are in jeopardy, you know, there's this primal instinct that comes up. So when we first emigrated to Australia, I didn't know anybody uh, or my family, you know, when I was awake, they were asleep because they were in England. And it was a really amazing time for me because instead of reaching out for answers, I had to reach in for answers. And it was a really good, expansive time for me. One of my children, she was around seven at the time. She came home and she was very distressed and a, and a much older boy at the school had physically assaulted her, um, just, you know, rough roughness in the playground and poking and pushing, but he was much bigger than her and he'd actually spat on her as well. And she was very, very traumatized by this. And she was such a, well, she still is a beautiful soul, very loving, very gentle, very giving, very accepting. So she did nothing to promote, provoke this. This was just, you know, what happened. And I was absolutely enraged. I was so mad because my baby had gone through this awful experience. So I remember cooking dinner. So I had steam in my face. I was crying. I was so angry with this child who had hurt my baby. I was crying. I was so, so mad. But luckily, <laughs> I have training. I have vast professional training in this area. So instead of reacting, I just worked through this feeling. I don't like to react. I like to take a calm, considered response. And I try to base all of my responses from that place of love. So I absolutely refused to contact anybody on that day. I sat with it. I slept through it. I prayed through it. And the next day, being a writer, I decided I'm going to write this child a letter. So I sat and I wrote this child a letter, but it wasn't a letter of hate. It was a letter of discipline but I wrote the letter as if I was his mother. I imagined him to be my son. What would I say to my son that I loved dearly, that I cherished? And I wrote this letter from that energy. I then gave it to the principal, unsealed. I obviously can't chase a child around the playground saying, read my letter, <laughs> it <would be> completely <laughs> inappropriate. Yeah, so I actually gave it to the principal, unsealed, and I said, this is how I've worked through this experience. You do with this letter what you wish but this is me dealing with it. So she opened the letter, she read it, not in front of me, she took it away. And she decided she's going to share this letter with the family. So she brought the family in, the, the, the child and his mother, and read the letter. And the child cried, and the mother cried. And the letter alerted the school to the fact that this child was struggling because he was lashing out for no reason. It alerted the mother to the fact that something's going on with her son and he needs extra love and support and guidance. And that experience 
changed our lives because every time we faced bullying again, and we did, you know, my kids have been hospitalized through bullying. This is a really serious issue. But what we've done is we've repeated this process. We've worked through the feelings of anger. We've practiced the pause. And then we've responded from a place of love. And in every single experience in different schools, the result was the same, a change in behavior. And my children and these children did not become friends, but they had a healthy respect for each other. And these children would check in with my children. How are you going? Is everything okay? How are you today? Because they hit this turning point in their life when they understood that this was a behavior. It wasn't who they were. And that was the catalyst that started me writing Dear Bully is because school counselors were contacting me saying, please, can we use your letter in classes? And I said, absolutely. And, you know, I've had some resistance to this idea of sending the bully love. But if just punishment only systems was working, we wouldn't have bullying. Now, I, I advocate in your life, if you make a mistake, you need to own it. You need to take responsibility for it. If you need to amend for that mistake and face some sort of consequence, that's what you need to do as part of being a responsible person, a human. But also, we need to reach out and understand what position this person reacted from. What led them to this moment? How can we help? Because, you know, if we heal that person who is displaying bullying behaviors, we save countless people from living through that pain and upset and hurt. So why would we not want to heal that person that's, that's showing bullying behavior? What causes a child to become a bully? And actually, I want to change that word for a moment. How would you replace that word? What's another word for bully that you would use? Cry for help. It's a cry for help. It's a cry for connection. It's a cry for acceptance, love, support, belonging. And it's packaged in a way that repels the exact thing that is needed. Your um, daughter, Sky, she's the illustrator of that book, Dear Bowley, and it's so beautiful. I mean, she's very talented. <laughs> I'm like smiling and looking <laughs> at it. So cute. I love that stuff. <laughs> Thank you. You know, she, she's very passionate about illustrating my books. So we, we have, um, my, our books come from very personal experiences, real authentic experiences. So they come very much from this place of, of love and understanding and empathy. We've got a, a book coming up soon from the LGBTQI plus community. Um, so we're very, very excited about that, to have a children's book coming out. And, and she's very passionate about um, illustrating that. Um, so she's very much the artist and I'm with the words. I, I do the creativity with the words. But definitely um, all of these books have been born from struggles, the inner work that we have done as a family or the children that I've taught have done. And, you know, it's so important and powerful because Kids need to be able to pick up literature that they can connect with and that they can say, wow, it's not just me. Wow, this is normal. Wow, I need to work through this. Wow. You know, and my hope with Dear Bully is that when it's read in classes, because teachers are using my books and psychologists as well, and it's read in, in those contexts, that maybe a child that's displaying those sort of behaviors recognizes themselves and goes, hey, 
I need to think about this. There's something going on here. I need to ask for help. Maybe they can come out of that place of fear and entertain the possibility that they can connect with somebody and get the help and the courage and the guidance and the everything that they need, that support. So that's the the reason that we have written these books. And I say we as a family because I always let my children read my books first. <laughs> you know, even my even my little ones, they'll tell me, you know, how they feel about it and what they think, you know, because it's it's in the it's in kids' experiences. Yeah. Right. For a moment, talk to me about the miracle ready mindset and the law of attraction. Sure. So the miracle ready mindset is like my umbrella um, for my books and my courses and everything that I do and my speaking and everything. So that's like the umbrella for all of that. So we're developing a mindset ready to receive miracles. And often people have got blocks in their mind. They're programmed with faulty programming that keeps taking them like a sat-nav to the wrong destination, you know, and we need to break through that faulty programming and say, you want to be over in uh, destination A? This is the programming you need for destination A. You're programming yourself for destination B. It's very much based in, my background is sociology, psychology, counseling, um, life coaching, hypnotherapy, you know, so I'm passionate about everything mindset. So it's that real exploration in the children's literature in my courses because I actually coach female leaders internationally on mindset and getting ready to combine all of those um, professional modalities with the law of attraction and then it is magical like it's just the most amazing combination that sees my clients make just incredible progress week to week. And I know this stuff works, but my clients come on the phone and even my jaw drops, like how many miracles have rushed into their lives that, that week. And it's these processes that I've developed over the last 20 years that just allows that self-exploration, that stock take of what, what are we thinking here? Are these thoughts supporting us? And, I, and Abraham Hicks um, uses this amazing um, metaphor where they say, you know, imagine you're in this chef's kitchen. You've got all of the ingredients you could possibly imagine and you want to make an apple pie. They say you, you're not stressing that there's mints and onions and beef on the surface around you because you are not going to put that in your pie because you want an apple pie. And it's such a great, a simple, powerful way of saying, hey, guys, we need to be mindful of what we're thinking. Are you putting beef in your apple pie? Because mm -hmm. guess what? You're going to get a beef pie. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. You need to be much more selective of who we're spending time with, of who, what we're watching, what we're listening to, and what we're thinking. Everything about your work, it goes back to that self-knowledge, self-discovery, because you know that this is the root, this is the beginning of everything, of that tree that we are trying to grow here. And I love the name of your program, Miracle. That word alone is just says it all. And, and this is it. This is it. And I was, I was actually um, doing group coaching this week with some of my clients And, you know, and I was saying to them, you know, it's about letting go, moving forward with faith and watching the miracles flow into our lives. We call them coincidences. We call them luck. We call them all different things. But what they are is they are miracles. They are answers to our prayers. We just we just give them different names. 
I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. But before that, would you like to add anything that I didn't cover with my questions? I, I think my message to anybody listening is to stop being so hard on yourself. Put the energy into punishing the things that you feel are not going right within yourself into seeking answers. You know, everything we want is on the other side of fear. And I was very, very lucky that very early in my journey, I understood this. And so every time I wanted to do something, I have felt fearful. I have felt inadequate. I have felt lacking. And I've embraced that and, and said, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to grow like mad, which is what I've always done. And so everybody that's ever achieved anything has had to go through this process. And, you know, I have danced with depression all of my life. And that's a part of my shadow that I embrace. And it's never stopped me from doing what I want to do. And for me with fear, fear of me getting to my last day on this earth, And having regrets at things that I was too scared to try is far greater than the fear of doing them. Living without regrets. Yeah. What a wonderful purpose. And I think as well, mixed into that, just a very quick extra, is, you know, I was interviewed um, long ago for this business podcast because people are interested that I've built my business around my family. I work from my living room with people all over the world. I work with amazing transformational leaders and millionaires and I don't leave the house. It's quite, you know, extraordinary. You know, I said, you know, one of the things that I had the most when I was building my business, I only started my business age 40 because I nearly died having my last child. And it was a catalyst for me to say, right, I need to do this. And, you know, I was exploring all these possibilities and people were saying, oh, well, that failed, that failed, that failed, that failed. No, it was my exploration. <laughs> I had to explore all of these things. I didn't consider them failures or mistakes. I considered them part of my investigation as to what was the right fit for me. So I feel as well, we don't, we should not be frightened of making quote unquote mistakes. Your definition of a mistake is my definition of growth. So I think that's important as well. Very important because we're all afraid to fail, right? We don't even try a lot of times. How do you define success? What is to be successful to you? Well, that's interesting because one of the things that stopped me from starting was my idea of what success looked like. And then when I nearly died having my, my last baby, it was this huge wake-up call for me. And I said, you know, I, I cannot and don't want to fit into this idea of what success looks like. So I'm going to create what success is for me. And once I sort of, that was like a massive relief for me. And once I just said, right, I'm going to take action. And like, I've, you know, currently got six children living with me. <laughs> so I'm severely outnumbered and my husband works away. Um, so three weeks out of four, it's me and the kids stop, drop and roll. And, um, you know, my idea of success was, right, if I've got 20 minutes, my desk is set up ready to work. If I've got 20 minutes when the, the, the planets are aligned and nobody's asking me a question or <laughs> wanting me to do something for them, I will jump into my desk and I'll work. And I did minutes. That's where I started, doing minutes. And those minutes turned into hours and those hours turned into days and those days turned into weeks. And, those, and you know, it, it's a momentum, yeah? You know, and, and I was waiting for this amazing chunk of time to fall into my lap. I've got six kids living with me. When's this massive <laughs> ch chunk of time going to fall into my lap? 
You know, the eldest is, you know, uh, you know, a nearly adult and the littlest is three. So I, I was like, this is crazy. It's not going to happen for me. I need to, I need to carve this out for myself. And so I started and I started and I did the work and I did the work and miracles just flowed and flowed and flowed and continue to flow. I work with the leaders of industry worldwide. They're amazing, transformational, fantastic, you know, and I'm so, so blessed. And it started with minutes per day. Mm-hmm. You define what success is for you. That's that's the thing. You define. I'm a full-time mum. I've built my business around my family and it's taken off because I'm in the energy of being who I am. Success is to me what success is to me. I love that, Cassie. And I also love your passion, your courage, and your strength. You're a very strong woman. A human being. Oh, no labels. (laughs) Although you're a woman, but (laughs) human being. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself as of today? The hardest lesson for me was wanting to bring everybody with me and understanding that life is ebb and flow and people come and they go. And, you know, when people come into your life, they either, you know, they're either very difficult and they stir you up and they're the best life coaches ever because they just completely shake your foundations and they make you suffer and they have pain and, you know, turmoil and you grow, you grow, you don't want to grow, but you grow because these people have come into your life or you come into your life and there's amazing, wonderful, loving people. And, you know, it's about surrendering to the fact that, you know, we have connections, reasons and seasons and, you know, letting go. And I lost two major friendships at, when I nearly died having Taya. And um, it rocked me. It rocked me to my core because I love being connected with people. I love to love. I love all of those things. And that was a really important time for me because I realized I was only living half of my potential because I was trying to fit in places I wasn't supposed to be fitting in. And I realized that people will come and go. I love to love people, but I'm okay. I'm okay on my own. And that realization propelled me to embrace my dreams. Because oftentimes, you know, I feel like it's particularly women are frightened to chase their dreams because if they grow into their full power, are people going to leave them? Are people going to turn away because they're, they're shining too brightly? And I really feel like we need to get over that. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> because the world, the world needs us. The world needs your message. And to be playing, you know, to be dimming your light, to fit in where people should not be asking you to dim your light doesn't make any sense. You mentioned earlier about not having regrets. So this is a question that I usually ask all my guests. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? If you'd have asked me that question three years ago, I'd have had so many things to say. Mm -hmm. But now, because I genuinely feel like I am living authentically, I'm loving fiercely, I'm sharing my message passionately, that I have a legacy. And so, you know, if God chose to end my journey tomorrow, I know that I have lived up to the expectations of what he wanted me to achieve in my life. And I will do so until the day I die. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know that we are connected. And the longer individuals within this collective fight that 
the longer that we will see those negative consequences of that. I know for sure that we came from a place of love and that we need to live in the highest integrity that we can to achieve and justify that origin of place. And I know for sure that we will never stop needing to evolve and that we need to be open to that. And, you know, people say they want world peace and they want global healing that starts with you in your day-to-day life. And you may see that as mundane or not significant enough. It's hugely significant because every life that you touch and influence in that light goes forth and spreads that. And that's what we need, virus of light (laughs) to be (laughs) infecting the world, you know? And we need to be, you know, spreading that around and, and, you know, it's like all the glitter, you know, spread that glitter you know, touch everybody with the glitter and they go on and they touch them. I mean, it's, it's diff, you know, it's, it's about the small things matter, helping in those day-to-day times, saying that kind thing, giving a compliment, giving reassurance, support. Those small things matter. That's where real change begins. That is what I know for sure. I absolutely love your wisdom I love your presence. I love your passion, your courage, and everything that you represent. Thank you so much, Kathy, for being you, Thank just you the so way much. you are. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and I feel that we could, you know, sit back with a glass of wine and talk for 12 hours quite easily. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So, my book series are available on Amazon. And I have two book series out. The first is the Positive Mindset for Kids series. The second series is the Sunrise Babies Home series. Um, And that series is my donation to an orphanage in Uganda. So 100% of all book sales for that series goes directly to the babies. So that's awesome. So you you can go on Amazon and uh, search up Kathy Domini, C-A-T-H-Y, D for Dad, O, M for Mother O, N for November EY, and you'll find all of my books there. And my website is www.kathydomini.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Kathy, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Kathy Domini and her work, please visit kathydomini.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. Mm-hmm.